And so I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Making of the Mogul Radio Show with myself, your host, Tanola Oliver. And so here is the thing um, that we're talking about in this episode. I So singing for me is warfare, right? And someone recently asked me to sing. I chose to sing before I did this particular episode because I needed to work through some spiritual things. This is what I I hope that when you listen to this episode that you hear my heart from a perspective of a leader who has a heart for all of humanity. This is a difficult conversation to have as an African-American woman who still exists in various business um, processes in the world in, in different capacities. Some of those capacities are um, predominantly African-American environments, and some of those environments are predominantly Caucasian environments. It's a different, difficult conversation to have as an African-American woman because the intersectionality of me as an African-American woman is that I've had to advocate for myself and I've had to advocate for my son. And so what happens with African-American talent is that depending upon the environment, in order to suppress the talent, they have to diminish the value of the individual or create a narrative around the individual that pulls away from their talent or distracts from their talent. And for me as a mother, and for me as an African-American woman, is something that I feel I've watched happen throughout the years that should no longer exist in 2023. And it's disheartening for me to know that we still have African-Americans in leadership positions that have the power to shift those paradigms and operate in their power as the diversity within the room to not allow those negative narratives to surface when the knowing that the intentionality is to suppress the talent and to take away from the talent. And in have and so I've I've been in some very important rooms where I was the smallest person in the room. And people wanted to know how I felt and, and what I think needed to take place. It's actually something that absolutely has to be dealt with at the educational level. And if we can't have people that look like us in power positions 
to play for us, they don't need to be in those positions. And if we have predominantly African-American institutions that don't take the perspective of no talent left behind, then that leadership within that force needs to shift. And I say that as a mother who has had children in predominantly African-American environments and a mother who has had children in an environment that was predominantly Caucasian. And it was disheartening for me as a mother to have to deal with the same situation in two different environments. And it is my anticipation that my voice as an advocate says that we cannot allow this to happen anymore. That we have to take African-American people out of power positions if they refuse to do what the purpose of them being there is for, which is to not allow the talent or the character of the student to be suppressed or to be demoralized or whatever words we want to use because they're the minority in the room and because someone outside of the culture wants to be a part of the culture and they don't know how to do that. And so they act out of ignorance, right? And so what happens when people outside of the culture want to be a part of the culture and instead of asking for permission, then what they do is they act out of ignorance because they're not used to not being in the power position. And and so the conversations I had was that we don't allow those students to move forward in leadership, right? We We stop the student because at the high school level, while the mind is not mature enough to make decisions until until they're 25, at the high school level, you're mature enough to understand and know what your behavior is, right? So we don't need any more racist doctors, right? We don't need any more racist media professionals, right? We, we have enough of that. Um, we don't need any more um individuals in leadership positions in this world that operate from a perspective that if i don't um know how to ask for permission that i'm going to make a mockery right or i'm going to um overshadow right what is right with my ignorance so that I can be a part of something that I don't know how to ask for permission to be a part of. And what I am most grateful for is that as a woman 
who has walked the journey as a faith believer is that the Lord takes offense when people try to manipulate the plan of God. When you try to shift environments and you try to change people's brands and you try to suppress people's talents and steer people in one direction versus another because you're intimidated by what you see on them. The Lord takes the offense, right? And while the Lord does what he does, we as people have to stop allowing toxic individuals to move into leadership because there is darkness operating in leadership where there should be light. Like everybody has somebody in their city or in their municipality that's been occupying a space for a long time politically that should have been stopped in their young years, right? The behavior and the characteristics were there in their younger years for being racist and showing racist rhetoric behavior, um, acting one way towards Caucasian women and another way towards black women, um, wanting to suppress the talents of young African-American males, versus I, so all of we see all of that behavior before it even has the opportunity to surface right and we have to stop it before it makes it into leadership positions and that is from someone who loves humanity If you went through my telephone right now, there is no race of person that you will not find in my telephone that I use on a regular basis because I come from a perspective that we live in a multi-generational and a multi-ethnic world. And I collaborate with everyone. Right, I don't think there is anybody too young to provide their input because that youth is a is a part of diversity, and I don't um, like multi generational is necessary. Like in the in in any environment that wants to continue to thrive, right? In the same token. Um, there is no race of individual that I feel like should ever be left out from, from the, the discussion at any table because diversity is needed, right? What I don't, and so as a behavioral scientist, like there's a lot of different conversations that I could have. What I don't think people realize is that there is a shift happening. They're about to do a major prison reform, right? And the reason why they're working on this prison reform behind 
closed doors is because the demographic that is increasing is changing. And it is because of the influence of, of social media, right? That demographic is changing because people have been seeing some things that they didn't even think or knew existed. And so those conversations cannot be had. Those paradigms and those constructs cannot be shifted if they don't bring African-American women to the table and that have had previous incarceration records and ask them how they made it into those situations. I am willing to make a bet that three out of 10 of those women were functioning, tax-paying, self-educated women who continuously found themselves in environments that pushed against their humanity as a woman and as an African-American woman. And they finally reacted in a way that landed them in prison. We live in 2023 and that should no longer be an issue. But now that the demographic is changing about who is the growing population now, right, of incarceration, you're about to start hearing more of those conversations and people are gonna wanna hear they're they're going to want to hear that narrative, right? Because it's, social media has shifted the paradigm around what's tolerable and what's what's no longer tolerable, right? And those are some of the conversations that are taking place behind closed doors that people are not really talking about because we're distracted with other things, right? But it should have been a conversation that should have been had a long time ago. An African-American woman should be able to sit down at a table at work without being harassed or approached or disrespected by men, by gay women, by anybody. and do what she's been hired to do, period. And so I am, um, I'm disheartened because it's a story that nobody tells. It's a story that nobody talks about, right? An African-American male ought to be able to sit in any classroom and not be harassed by a gay male or an overzealous um, bullied white male um, or a Caucasian female who wasn't taught to respect African-American males. Like these are, when we talk about diversity, these are the conversations 
that we're still not having and it's 2023. And it's two different constructs, right? It's either, it's predominantly African-American environments, right? It's a different construct there. And then it's predominantly white environments. There's a construct there. And there has to be a way to bring balance to it all. And I am disheartened because of the leadership that we have pushed in this era have been the distraction and not the response. And so this is just the introduction to the show. It's about three or four clips. It's a conversation that, like I said, I had to sing to work some things out um, spiritually because this is a different, difficult conversation to have. Um, and while people pretend like they don't know who I am and they don't know that I have a show out there, they listen, they follow my, my social media, and I have to deal with it in some sort of way. But here is the thing. Um, I, I, I was dealing with it before I had any type of... Um, I've always been in the public. And so I was dealing with it <coughs> anyway. Um, I think things have just shifted as it relates to my ability to tell a story and my inability to no longer be silent about the story that I experienced. And um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm talking about outliers and I'm talking about my fear of why I almost did not publish outliers and and those, those ideologies um, or, or, or constructs around wanting to tell a narrative and a story about um, a celebrity as large as 50 Cent and um, wanting to dodge the stigmas of what those look like as an African-American woman in addition to wanting to keep the story healthy for him and staying away from his personal life because the overarching goal of what I wanted to do was to separate who he is today from the mistakes he potentially made yesterday and um, only highlight the things that he done well as a businessman because they were underrepresented in in the narrative in the business world and they were definitely underrepresented when you heard people talk about who Curtis 50 Cent Jackson is um lastly what am i going to say I would not, so while I am working on dual citizenship for another country, 
because it's just something I wanted to do. The United States of America is still, from my perspective, like, right, because I, I don't have any other experience to bring to the table right now, right? Maybe once I, um, once I get to Ghana, maybe my story will be different. But as it relates right now, as an academic and an intellectual, the United States does a very good job at protecting its intellectual property in the form of human capital. So when you see people like Barack Obama or people like Cornel West, um, and, and people talk about Dr. Umar, <laughs> all the time uh, because his his viewpoints are so strong, right? But nonetheless, major thinkers and people who stir and trigger innovation in the in in this nation are very well protected. Do you think the government knows who Dr. Umar is? Absolutely. Do you think the government knew who um, former President Obama was before he became president? Absolutely. Um, do you think that they were watching Cornell West before he became the Dr. Cornell West? Absolutely. The United States does an amazing job at protecting its intellectual property. People like, and 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 I could name other people like Susie um, Orman or, um, um, I'm trying to think of some of the major um, innovators that um, um, the Tesla gentleman. Why can't I not think of his name? I don't know. Why I can't think of his name? Um, Bill Gates. The United States does an amazing job at protecting its intellectual property. You don't bump up against certain personalities and certain talents without people in the right spaces at the top of the food chain knowing about it. It is so important to treat people with honor and respect because if you encounter the right person and disrespect them, it can change the entire trajectory of your life because the United States does an amazing job at protecting its intellectual property and protecting the next generation of innovators, right? 
And it is just so important to treat people respectful because we are entering into a time period where there is less and less tolerance for people who don't have the intellectual prowess to be who they are and to still have a reverence for who someone else is. At the leadership level, and I'm telling you this from the conversations and the rooms that I'm in, from business to entertainment, the tolerance for the ignorance that operates in between is growing less and less and less because the United States is very intentional about creating this next generation of innovators. By all means necessary. Peace.